You are listening to Randall Parker's Film Club with me, Randall Parker. Welcome to another edition of Film Club. This week we will be reviewing a film off the list of greatest films of all time, which can be found on the website www.thisisthedarkcorridor.com and one requested by a listener. Alongside that we'll have a couple of film facts, a film face-off, the return of the section Randall Smells Bullshit and we've got another podcaster here to recommend a film for you. He's currently in the airing cupboard handcuffs to the pipes because he kept fiddling with stuff. Fanning about with people's bits and bobs might be okay on your podcast, pal, but it's definitely a now now on Film Club. So, have you lot been cooping? Don't know why I'm asking you that. It's not like you can fucking reply, is it? Uh, big news here is Mum's back home from her recent incarceration in a Dutch prison for firing unlicensed ping pong balls out of her front arse. It's a bit of a shock for everyone. We were expecting the worst and expecting at least six years behind bars for her but she somehow managed to get off on a legal technicality dating back to the 12th century. Not exactly sure what the technicality was, but I think it had something to do with the associate of Mr Van der Beek informing the judge that he was holding his daughter hostage. Well, that's what Tommy Slippers told me, and as we all know, his words about as reliable as Ayrton Senna's seatbelt. Mum arrived back last Wednesday, uh, not the Wednesday just gone, the one before that, and we had a party for her down the Dog and Partridge, which did end up in a massive punch-up between Mr White and Mr Van Der Beek. Kung Fu Dan, Large Lionel, the police, uh, the ambulance men and the firemen. Fucking hell, it was violent. Poor Theresa May got a shine when she tried to break them up. But at least I've got the bungalow back to myself now, which is nice. Uh, you may remember that due to the fact that Janice from accounts and Milky R. Greg were refusing to budge from the house that Mr White had been renting out to them. Mum managed to sort that bullshit out within ten minutes of getting back home. I'm not saying how she did it, but Gregor for now is known as Black-Eyed Gregor. Uh, so everything's back to normal. Ish. Randall Parker's Film Fact Tubby Fatso, Vin Diesel, loves to play snooker and has become so good at it he plans to retire from acting in the next five years and take it up professionally. Randall Parker's Film Fact Yeah, another film fact a bit later on in the show. Now, on to the big news. Well, it's quite big for me. On the 18th of August 2022, R. Randall Parker shall be standing as an independent candidate in the local by-election for Edgebury, which came about when local MP Grant Talbot dropped dead whilst choking on car fumes and rubbing one out. Now in the last podcast I stated that I thought you needed to have qualifications to be a common MP, but apparently not. Listener of the podcast Gary Southgate, who happens to study political history at Manchester Metropolitan University, yeah, I know it's not a real university, it's Manchester Poly really, but... Well, Gary got in touch and he sent me a link to the government's website and according to that... Where's my print off? Hang on. All you need to be is a British citizen or citizen of the Republic of Ireland or a citizen of a Commonwealth country which does not require leave to enter or remain in the UK or as an indefinite leave to remain in the UK, whatever the fuck that means. But you can't be one if you're a member of the police forces, a member of the armed forces, a civil servant or a judge... Someone who is subject of a bankruptcy restriction. Uh, I don't say anything there about having A-levels or anything, which uh, surprised me, because I thought there'd be rules in place where incompetent, half-witted, self-serving wankers couldn't become MPs, but apparently not. 
All you got to do is stump up 500 quid, get a few people to back you and fill in some forms and you're in, which is what I've done. Now I've got Ken as my campaign manager, which is a bit of a problem at the moment because he's had one of his turns and he's refusing to come out of his bedroom. But he has promised me that he's using his downtime to draw up a campaign strategy and he's not wasting all of his time watching those Bavarian hardcore pornography DVDs he ordered off the dark web. Yes, so Ken's running my campaign and Gary has offered some assistance and that of a couple of his mates from the poly. The right honourable Randall Francis Parker, Member of Parliament for Edgebury, has got a lovely ring to it, don't you think? Emails. You were right in there. Randall, can I have two more bananas? Over. Right, yeah, let me do emails and I'll bring them over to you. Over. When can I come out? Over. When you've learned not to fiddle with things. Do you need a top-up on that flask? Over. I'm OK for Horlicks, thanks. Over. Right, sit tight. I'll bring the nanas over in a bit. Over and out. So, on to emails. We've had a couple this week, so let's get started. The first one goes like this. Dear Andal, I was recently at the cinema watching the latest Top Gun film when the man next to me started up a conversation with me about Tom Cruise films. Which was quite annoying as we were the only two people in the whole cinema and he had decided to come sit right next to me. He said that for him, Tom's performance in Cocktail was his finest hour, but when I said that I found his role in Magnolia was his best, the man started to shout at me and said things like, you're just fucking wrong, and what the fuck do you know, and what would you know, you stupid woman. Luckily for me, the security man at the cinema saw what was happening and beat the shit out of the bloke before the film had actually started, and I managed to catch most of the trailers, and even though it wasn't as good as the original, I did rather enjoy it. But my question to you is this. What behaviour of your fellow cinema-goers boils your piss? Best wishes, Megan Fox. Fucking hell, Megan. That's quite a trip to the cinema you had there, didn't you? Uh, Fucking hate all the people at the cinema. I'm sat there nice and early. And then other people turn up one by one. Then for some inexplicable reason, I have this real hatred for them. You know, it wells up inside me. I gladly see them all slain. Can't explain it. There's no reason for it. They've done nothing but turn up to watch the same film as me. Funny that. But the thing that does piss me off the most is when you sat there and the film is just starting and some dozy fucker comes in making fuckload of noise and then casts you a right moody look because you're sat in the back row and they want to sit on the back row. Little tip for you, pal. Turn up early, you daft wanker. That's got me wound up there. So let's have another fucking email before I go off the rails. Right, so dear Randall. My favourite film is the 1961 classic Last Year at Marambad. I love its enigmatic narrative structure, in which time and space are fluid, with no certainty over what is happening to the characters, what they are remembering or what they are imagining. Its dreamlike nature has both fascinated and baffled many viewers, but for me, I feel that it is an avant-garde masterpiece, but many people I have spoken to about it have found it incomprehensible. Set in a palace in a park that has been converted into a luxury hotel, I feel that some of the imagery is some of the finest that has ever been committed to celluloid. But my question to you is this. What is the most magnificent fountain you have ever seen? Kind regards, Gordon Ramsay. That's a fucking good question, that Gordon. Uh, I would have to say that a fair few years ago we went to Alton Towers and they used to have these little ponds where you went in and there were some frogs that used to spit water at each other and it was dead good. Don't think they're there anymore. Well, I wouldn't really know. I haven't been for fucking years. We got banned when Ken shat himself inside out at Katanga Canyon. Yeah, he was just getting off the rubber dinghy rapids when it happened. 
Yeah, they have to close the old park. Fuck. Fuck this bollocks. Let's crack on with the first review. So, on to our first film for this week, and it's one of the list of greatest films of all time off of the website www.thisisthedarkcorridor.com, which I've got permission to use ever since I threatened to kick the shit out of the dark corridor. Now, this film is called Rear Window. Now, there are at least two films that I know of called Rear Window. Now, this one we're going to review is from 1954, and it's directed by Alfred Hitchcock, and it isn't the rear window that Big Kenelan made last Easter. Him and his fucking Bavarian porn obsession, I tell you. Now, our film starts with this bloke, and he's got a broken leg, and he's pissed bored, and he's been like this for six or seven weeks since he got run over taking some pictures for a magazine. Now, he's got to stay in his chair for at least another week until he can take the plastic cast off his leg. Now, his flat backs onto a courtyard of other flats, and he can see into all the other flats, and he spends most of his day looking in the flat of this young woman who walks around her flat in a bra and pants. And even though we don't see it, it's implied our bloke stretches one off every now and then when he's watching her. Anyway, he's got this old nurse who comes in once a day and looks after him. And he fills her in on what's going on in the flats and she fucks off. Then this bloke's girlfriend comes round and she's practically begging for his knob. But he's not interested. He just wants to spend his time being a nosy neighbour. Now... We used to have a woman like this who lived across from us at the old place, right? Mrs Ball, she was called. And she was always twitching her fucking neck curtains, watching the comings and goings, and nothing got past her. No matter what time you left the house or came back, you'd see her at the window writing stuff down in a fucking book. She used to grasp me up to mummy if I'd used too much shit or I'll wipe me arse. You think I'm fucking joking, don't you? The fucking cow rot once reported me to the police for elder abuse against me mum. They came round and practically beat the fucking door down. I had to let Mum out the airing cupboard so they could ask her if she was okay. Ah, the old bitch is dead now, thank fuck. Lost me fucking thread, where was I? What was I talking about? Ah, shit, the film, yeah. Anyways, uh, one night, he's keeping in front of the window and he sees the bloke opposite being a bit of a wanker to his wife. Then he dozes off, starts to piss down with rain and the bloke opposite keeps nipping off in the rain with a suitcase and coming back. And he does this a couple of times at three o'clock in the morning. And our mate thinks this bloke opposite has killed her, chopped her up and he's dropping bits in the bins around there somewhere. Anyway, he convinces his girlfriend that the bloke opposite is a murderer and also his mate who is a policeman. Well, I'll tell you what, I won't spoil it for you. So you can give it a watch. I don't normally like these sort of films where you're stuck in one place, but this was highly entertaining and kept you gripped. Ratings wise, I'm going to put this on a par with something like Digby the World's Largest Dog, which is an unexpected joy. That was Rear Window. Watch that if you want to see a man sat in his gym jams all day long in a wheelchair staring aimlessly out the window who isn't Donny Tucker. I'm recording this week's episode on Saturday morning and I'll put it out on Monday, a bit like usual, but I might have to make this episode a little bit shorter this week because me, old Joe, and home help, big fat Judith, I've got to go to a funeral at St Chad's Church this afternoon. Admittedly, Joe does have more of a starring role than me and Judith. Yes, I'm sad to announce that old Joe passed away the day after the last podcast from complications from his bad chest that he was suffering from. Turns out his bronchitis turned into pneumonia and he passed away peacefully in his sleep. 
Yeah, big fat Judith found him when she was rifling through his drawers looking for his jar full of special 50p's. First thing she did was come round here and tell me and she was right shook up. Took her three cups of tea, a packet of fruit shorties, two pot noodles and a packet of hobnobs to get herself composed. Don't worry, when I say hobnobs, they weren't really. They were a packet of outies, you know, the knock-off ones from Aldi. She wouldn't know the difference, they didn't touch the fucking sides. Yeah, the poor old fella, I'm going to miss him. His cold feet in the small of me back on those long cold winter nights. Even though he wasn't a religious man and thought God was a big pile of bollocks, he wanted a full church service with all the whistle and bells and pomp and ceremony, just in case there was a God when he got up there, you know, they'd let him in. He got one of those plans where you pay for everything beforehand and they carry out your wishes once you've gone. Uh, the main wish he'd got was that his funeral should be held on a Saturday at rush hour and the hearse drive through town at 10 miles an hour causing as much disruption as possible, hold everyone up and piss off as many people as he could. Classic Joe that. Now some of you may note old Joe had a sister who he didn't get on with, they hadn't spoken to each other since the early 80s when they both took opposing sides of the argument when the pound coin was introduced. Now I did manage to track her down a few months ago when Joe was in hospital when he got someone stuck up his ace. Yeah, she was right shitty with me, so I didn't relish the fact, you know, that I got a phone her up and tell her Joe had died. Needn't have been worried though, because when I said Joe was no longer with us, she said, Good, I hope he suffered. Call me back when you know when they're reading the will. Bit harsh, I thought. Besides which, she'll be fucking lucky. He was piss poor. He was always sitting in the dark to save money and was always nicking tea bags off me. Yeah, he didn't think I'd seen him, but I don't begrudge the old fella a couple of PG tips now and then, the old sod. Poor old Joe. Gotta miss you, old twat. Randall Parker's film face off. So, on to the part of the podcast that is fastly becoming one of the more unpopular sections of what we do. It's Film Face Off, the section where we take two films with similar themes, compare them, and see which one we think is best and which one you should watch. Even though in reality you could watch both of them. Now, our two films follow two wrongans who go around being nasty shits and then they meet some younger vulnerable people and they take them under their wing and ultimately become better people for it. That's right, this week's two films are Despicable Me from 2010 and The Ultra Violent You Were Never Really Here from 2017. So in You Were Never Really Here you've got Joaquin Phoenix playing a depressed hitman, all fat with a massive beard, acting his arse off and in Despicable Me you've got that bloke doing the voice of Gru. You know the bloke, the one everyone goes on about being funny when he isn't. Steve something, can't think of his fucking name. Yeah, in Despicable Me you've got a bloke stealing a shrink ray from a research base whereas in You Were Never Really Here you get Joaquin running around a brothel with big two fucking hammers killing those of bad bastards. In Despicable Me, Gru has got a bunch of little yellow twats running around helping him do shite, whereas in You Were Never Really Here, his new pal Nini slits the throat of the main bad bastard. In Despicable Me, Gru ultimately finds the love of three girls and adopts them, whereas in You Were Never Really Here, Joaquin graphically imagines blowing his brains out in a cafe. And for that reason, the winner of this week's film face-off is You Were Never Really Here. Randall Parker's if any of you are in the slightest bit interested, don't know why the fuck you would be, Donna and Slow Francis will be having an engagement party next week to celebrate, well, their engagement, obviously. I did say to both of them that I'm pretty sure I'm busy that night, but Mum's told me that because Francis is sorting me half-brother, I'm fucking got to go, so I'm lumbered with that fiasco. 
whole night of watching him and his fucking Warhammer wanker mates inhaling platefuls and platefuls of chicken nuggets whilst they talk about the latest defence strategy. The fucking cunts. The other night, Francis gave me a call on my mobile and said that, being as I was his half-brother, what I consider doing him the honour of being his best man when he set a date for the wedding. So I told him, don't be so fucking stupid, I'd rather drink three pints of Tommy Slippers piss than be his best man. Went round to visit Mum and Mr White the other night. Uh, things seemed to be going a bit frosty there. Thought that absence was supposed to make the art grow fonder, but apparently not. They could barely grunt two words at each other. Mr White went in a right grump when Mr Van Der Beek pulled up outside to pick Mum up and take her off for a slap-up feed of the new Balti house they've opened in town. When she'd gone, he said to me that he didn't know what he was going to do if the DNS results came back and he wasn't the father. I had no fucking idea what the fuck he's going on about, so I just said he was all going to be alright and he gave me a hug. Yeah, creepy as fuck that was. Randall smells bullshit. Now, a while back, uh, we tried this section out and it wasn't very successful, but instead of leaving it out to die, I've decided to give it one last try. Now, if you don't remember this section, I take a look at a popular trope in a film that simply does not happen in real life. Like petrol not going off in a zombie apocalypse, that sort of thing. Now this week, we take a look at uh, films set in schools or having characters in school. Uh, now we've seen this happen loads of times where they're in a class that just so happens to be covering a subject in the class that is specific to that film. Such as in a film where they're talking about astronomy, then a kid goes off and finds a comet that's going to smash into Earth. Or they're talking about the Stone Age in a classroom and later they find a fucking caveman when they're digging in the back garden. Bullshit. What a load of bollocks. We never learnt anything relevant in school. Absolutely nothing that would have any bearing on life. Pronouns, adjectives, subjugated verbs, flit fucking infinitives, what a load of bollocks. Maths was just as bad. The only fucking maths you need is to check how your pay packet is at the end of the week. None of this sines, cosines of the square of the hypotenuse wank. Domestic science, all you need to learn is how to make a fucking pot noodle or turn the wanky microwave on. No one above the age of 15 has ever made a pineapple upside down cake. For fuck's sake, got me dander up here. Randall smells bullshit. Yeah, perhaps not the best idea to try and bring that one back. Sorry about that. Yeah, as I said earlier, I'm standing up for Parliament uh, in the up and coming by election in Edgebury in mid August. So far, my competitors are Judy Palmer, Labour. Lee Carter, Conservative, he's from Surrey. Uh, Trudy Singh, Lib Dem, me, Independent. Captain Khaki, Monster Raven Looney Party, who is actually a teacher from the local high school, not a proper teacher, just PE. And Eddie Britton, the Cleanse UK Party. But he is in doubt because he's up on charges for sending death threats to the black man who ran off with his wife. Yeah, if you're going to send death threats to someone, Eddie, best not doing it on Facebook. Randall Parker's Film Fact When she's had a few drinks, Captain Marvel actress Brie Larson likes to say in a very, very loud voice that Gal Gadot probably eats like a pig. Randall Parker's Film Fact Just a quick shout-out to Ken. As I mentioned earlier, he's having one of his turns and he's locked himself away in his bedroom. Which is a bit of a shame, as he's not been able to celebrate his good news. Well, even though it's fucking ages away, next May I think, uh, Ken has been selected as one of the possible acts to represent the UK at next year's Eurovision Song Contest. Apparently they select a few acts and as time goes on they whittle them down to just one. 
Well, as of now, Ken is down to the last 462 acts, I think it is. Uh, he seems to have wowed the panel that picks the acts with his original composition, The Sun Shines Out of Your Arsehole. So well done, Ken. Yeah. Randall's Requests. So on to Randall's Requests this week, where we review a film that what has been requested by a listener. Now, our listener is from Germany, and his name is Vanky Handler. Yeah, probably means something different over there, doesn't it? Yeah. Anyway, he's requested me to review a film from 2008 called The Happening, and it's directed by M. Night Shaleman. Shaleman? Manshali? I don't know, I'm not a fucking wordsmith. In what did the sixth sense, anyway? Anyway, this starts off with a bunch of people in New York all of a sudden deciding to top themselves, jumping in front of trains, cars, jumping off buildings and splatting on the roads. It's fucking carnage and everyone is going, fucking hell, what's going on? And they seem to think it's some sort of toxin in the air that's making people think, fuck this, let's turn the lights out. Now this starts to happen all over America and there's this science teacher played by the emotionless meatbag Mark Wahlberg. Now he's got a kid and his wife is the blonde-haired girl off of Elf but now she's got black hair. Don't know her name, don't really care either. Now they're on a train coming back from a trip or going on one, don't give a shit. Everyone where they're going is uh, going fucking bonkers and topping themselves and they think shit, we don't want to die so decide they should get off the train and bugger off somewhere else. Then they meet a man who says fucking hell the trees have gone mental and are sending out a smell that makes people want to kill themselves. Now I'm not making this up, honest. For fuck's sake, let's not waste any more time on this, right? Anyway, they decide to walk for fucking ages. Uh, people get killed or kill themselves, and then it's just Mark Wahlberg and his wife and the kid, and they're going to be killed by the tree smell thingy. Then all of a sudden, it stops. Yeah, I know, what a fucking cop out. Then, in the end, the old fucking thing starts again, but in France. It's like one of them dreams you have, you know, when you have a curry just before bed. None of it makes any sense. The acting is so bad that the trees are the ones that give the best performance. Uh, Ratings-wise, I'm going to put this on a par with getting extra hot, hot sauce in your right eye. That was The Happening. Watch that if you want to see people doing what you'll feel like doing after watching this mass of turds. Randall's Requests Just making a note uh, to give me duvet cover to wash. Yeah, uh, it started to smell a bit like, you know, day-old shepherd's pie. Yeah. Uh, meant to mention earlier that Large Lionel from White and Bailey uh, he's been up to his old tricks again uh, he beat the ever living fuck out of the local paperboy when the daft lad pushed a copy of the Daily Mail through his letterbox instead of the copy of the Daily Star yet yeah, judges told him that he's got to pay for the lad to have a full set of false teeth and a new pair of glasses he's got a fucking temper on him as Large Lionel he once chased me round the works with a length of wood with two nails in the end of it just because I'd left some piss on the bog seat I remember this one time, right, I was nipping in town during my lunch and he asked me to pick him up a sarnie. So I says, what flavour? Cheese, he says. So I says, well, if they ain't got cheese, ham, he says. So I says, well, if they ain't got ham, he says, then get me anything. And when I gave him 20 Benson and Edges, he went fucking apeshit. Should have been more specific then, pal. He's a fucking funny fucker. <coughs> oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Saw that in the court file. There's this piece in the local paper called the court file and it tells you who's been up in court and what they've done. Yeah, Fucking love that, I do. Nice to catch up with our friends, isn't it? Uh, me and Ken have got a bit of a game going over the last few years and we've been spotting kids from our classes at primary school and whoever can cross off all their classmates first wins a massive bag of Walker's Max crisps. 
thought I was fucked because I got Stevie Taylor in my class and he used to be a copper. Well, luckily last year he got done for manhandling a prostitute who turned up at his front doorstep one night threatening to tell his wife she'd been draining him off during work's time. I hear he's been having a bit of a rough time since. Couldn't happen to a nicer fucking bloke. On the plus side, though, I only need about three people and those crisps are as good as mine. Randall recommends. Right, so on to Randall's recommends. Now, this week we're going to do things slightly differently than what we normally do. Uh, I'm going to get a fellow podcaster to recommend a film, then I'm going to review it in next week's podcast, and it'll give you a chance to watch it as well, so you'll know what the fuck I'm banging on about. Now, this week's podcaster has been a naughty boy. He was fiddling with me stuff, and so he's had to be locked in the airing cupboard. Now, I've given him a walkie-talkie, and he's going to be doing his recommendation via that. Now, we've got Mark, or Planty to his mates, from 100 Things We Learnt About Film, a podcast that takes a film, tries to learn 100 facts about that film. Yeah, they did fucking shit with my suggestion. I tell you, they only got about a six or seven. So, Planty, away you go, over. Hey, up, Randall. It's Planty from 100 Things We Learned From Film podcast here. Big fan of your reviews, and I wanted you to give the RP treatment to one of my favourites. as 2004's Dead Man's Shoes, directed by Shane Meadows. I specifically want to hear your take on this, because it's proper grim. The reason I'm so keen on it is there's not really any films where people sound like me, so I can emote with it. I also grew up in an ugly, grey, depressing council estate. Don't ever forget where you came from, Randall Youth. Plus... It's always on film four, so you won't have to spend a penny on it. Banging. Over. Yeah, thanks for that, Planty. Over. Hope that'll do, lad. Cheers. Yeah, over and out. If you want to listen to 100 Things We Learned From Film, I'll put a link in the description. Randall recommends. Just a little mention before I fuck off about the dating app Snatch, what I've been on for the best part of a month and a half. I've changed my profile picture, ticked every woman they've matched me with, but until now, I've struck no look. Well, that is a bit of a lie. I did get a reply from one woman called Stella, but she had a face like a twisted teapot, so I've blocked her. Uh, I'll give it another couple of weeks, and then I'll think about knocking it on the head. Perhaps I'm just one of those people who are meant to be on their own, you know. Right, so I'll leave it there. Uh, it's time to me to get off to old Joe's funeral. Just time to put my shoes on and comb my hair. I'll be alright wearing my trainers, won't I? They're the only black shoes I've got. Uh, I'll leave Planty in the airing cupboard for another hour or two. He's got to learn his lesson, Anty. Look with your eyes, not your hands. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Film Club this week. It really does mean a lot to me. As always, the email address is randallparker1971 at gmail.com. Uh, use that if you want to recommend a film for me to review, send an email or just want to say hello yeah best get me skates on because I think I've just seen the earth pull up so try for a bit (laughs) 